Island Church would like to thank you for tuning in. Today, you will be hearing a message from our 18th annual Fall Harvest Conference. Praise God. We're so privileged this morning to have Pastor Eddie Turner from Murfreesboro. But before he comes, before he comes, I want to, and you've got the whole service, so you've got as long as you want. Amen. You can. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Glory to God. He's just a pastor of all of pastors. I, I love him so much. And, and he is such a tremendous, just a good friend and, a, and just a powerful man of God. But I, I felt very strongly in my spirit to just take just a moment, talk to you about spiritual things for a moment, uh, especially when it comes to the ministry of the gifts of the Spirit, when it comes to uh, people getting words from God. I, uh, I was privileged to be raised in a church that the gifts of the Spirit flowed with such a purity. When we were there, I don't know, Dad, how old were the good ones when we first started going in the 60s? They were probably already in their 60s. Yeah, so they were already, you know, we started attending the church in the early 60s, and they were already in their 60s, so they were already seasoned ministers. They were um, uh, people, they were in the assemblies of God, they were pastors in the assembly, and really kind of... uh, I, don't, I would not say ostracized by the assemblies, but definitely kind of, you know, people were very nervous around them, especially if you had sin in your life, amen, because they, they knew, especially Mom Goodwin, she knew things by the Holy Ghost, and it was just amazing, but they were very, uh, how can I say this, very particular, and when you hear the story about how God developed uh, the gifts of the Spirit in them, her praying, uh, getting these manifestations, and then uh, Dad Goodwin digging in the Word of God to make sure that they lined up with Scripture. They would even, uh, from time to time, uh, record tongues and interpretation or words given to just make sure they lined up with the Word of God. There was a there was a tremendous level of integrity, a tremendous level of spirituality. But they still uh, warned and and cautioned people uh, several things, especially if God gave a word to them. Uh, one one is this. Here's, how, here's kind of the litmus test. And the reason I say this is because we're, we're entering into times in which there's going to be so much that's not real. There's going to be fake anointings. There's going to be false gifts. There's, it's already happening. It's already, and one of the ways that you can understand this, Mom Goodwin, we were, uh, Lee and I were blessed. She took us aside one time for about six or seven hours and just sat with us and just taught us about spiritual things. And the first thing she said to us was, be Beware of sensationalism. Beware of sens. You know what it means. Something if something is sensational, it's very pleasing to the flesh. It's uh, 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 that's why many times, uh, you know, people talk about the presence of God. Nobody loves the presence of God more than I do. But there's a lot of things that can produce a presence. Amen. And just because there's an enormous feeling in some place does not mean that's a guarantee that God's moving in that place. Because there are things that become very sensational. When they become very sensational, they do not give attention or, or draw attention to God. They draw attention to an individual. And many times the individual is lifted up above God, and that's, that's not good. So we have to beware of sensationalism. Secondly, any word you get from God needs to agree with your spirit. Uh, when Lee and I, I think one of the first times she and I ever did anything together. We didn't even say it was a date. I mean, it was kind of like, I went to her, I said, I'm preaching in this church in Houston. Would you like to go with me? Come on, you can come sit down, sweetheart. Amen. I said, would you like to, you know, would you like to, would you like to go with me? So we rode up to Southwest Houston and a beautiful Assembly of God church up there and I, I held a Sunday night meeting and, and the pastors called us up there. Remember that, Leah? 
and prophesied to us like we were married. Had us join hands and I'm kind of like, she's looking at me, I'm looking at her. And they prophesied to us like, oh, you're going to be mighty palm trees together. Your roots are going to be woven together. You're going to bear all this fruit. I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> Amen. And then I had a bunch of people. I would, you know, full gospel businessmen, churches I'd go to. They'd get up and prophesy all this stuff to me. One lady came up. She was saying, I see your hands are going to be dripping with this. And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank God. Thank God I had a foundation uh, of of uh, of what I had when I was a child, when I was a kid, and none of it none of it agreed with my spirit. But there were others like Effie Ward, uh, different people like that that would give us words, or we would get words from them. There was a wonderful pastor that was a friend of ours, brother uh, Terry Wheatley, uh, from Colleen, Texas, just a wonderful man of God. And and, and Leah was transitioning out of her business and, and really needed a word from God. And man, Terry just pulled her up out of, he'd never met her before. He'd met me a couple of times, never met her. Pulled her up out of a, we were preaching a conference together, pulled her up and just gave her this beautiful word. And, and you knew it was a word from God. She still has it on her, on her, right on her desk. It sits right up here. And literally everything in that word has come to pass. But here's the deal. Here's the third thing. She worked on it. She, she, it still sits up there. It's still prayed over. It's still Now, we record these words, so if you would like to get your word, I guess you can get with Roland or one of the other people back here and get if you, if you get a word from God. So it, it has to agree with your spirit, uh, uh, and then it has to be relevant. I mean, I've seen people been caught out, and you know, you're going to be the greatest apostle the world's ever seen. You can't tell that to a Bible school student. But I've seen that. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's, it's not a relevant, it's not really a relevant word conducive uh, to a person moving forward in the things of God. So you have to judge these things. Then uh, the fourth thing would be this. Remember, any word you get from God is not a promise. It's not like the word of God, which you can pull the promise of God out of. What God is giving you is like a snapshot of potential. Many times in services, the way that God uses me, when I, you know, I, I believe, I see Jerry Lackey here, you know, a word for them or a word, I think we had a word for uh, 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 Keith and, Keith and uh, Sarah, different ones. What that is is really a, a, a word of wisdom which is projecting into the future. And what it's revealing is the potential. This is how God sees. God's seeing a potential. So he, be he begins to give you, it's like giving you some pieces to a puzzle, but you don't get all the pieces. So what you've got to do is you've got to go into the Word of God, and you've got to begin to, you have to begin to take Scripture, and you have to begin to, to frame that potential so where that the potential of God now becomes the promise of God in your life. And you pray over that and you speak over that and you, and you declare that. And that's how it does a couple of things. Number one, it honors the move of the Spirit of God. I've noticed this. People that take words lightly, they never get them. They just don't get them anymore. Because the Spirit of God knows, man, if that person, they just, they just walk out the door and don't even think anything of it. Amen. And then something else that, that you can be aware of, because I know everybody goes to meetings and all this. I've never seen a perpetual flow of, of, of revelation gifts. You say, what do you mean? I want everybody to come up, and we're going to give everybody a word from God. That never happens legitimately. It never happens legitimately. Uh, last night we ministered with, with uh, Brother Christopher and Pastor Sam, and I only think maybe, what, what, Chris, maybe two or three people got a word in the line. Amen. There wasn't a word for everyone. There wasn't a word for everyone. 
But here's the thing. It doesn't mean that God is rejecting you in any way. It doesn't mean that God is, is going around you in any way. It, it just means that you're not the one that needed it at that time. Amen? So these things really need to be, to be understood. And then the last thing, I guess this would be, what, number five. Familiar spirits are very, very subtle and very deviant. And a lot of people don't understand the operation of familiar spirits. I've seen, listen, I, there are two nationally known ministers that I have been in their meetings and watched them flow in the Holy Ghost, and it was not the Holy Ghost. It was not the Spirit of God. Number one, familiar, familiar spirits will always, they're just what they say they are. They are familiar. The Holy Ghost does not impart impertinent information. This is one of the things that Mom Goodwin taught Leah and I, which means, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, come up to Pastor Amanda and say, now, you live at 2315 Jones Drive, and, and your doctor's name is Williams. And, you know, I mean, this is not pertinent information from the Spirit. Anybody could get that. Anybody could find that out. And many times there is a sensational atmosphere when that goes on. I mean, it's like, whoa, man, the presence of God is so strong. It's not. It's not the presence of God. It is a sensational atmosphere. And I've seen it sometimes on scales. And, and you know, we tend to be gullible because we want God. We want a move of God. We want the Spirit of God to move. But sometimes that makes us very gullible. I'll never forget being in Bible school. And, and, and bless his heart, Brother Osteen, he was, he was kind of gullible. And he, but he loved God so much that he wanted anything that he even thought God was doing. He wanted that. And so he brought a lady in, and, and she had a very unusual testimony, and she manifested the stigmata. Does everybody know what the stigmata is? It is a true spiritual manifestation, but it is not a Holy Spirit manifestation. And I'm, I sat there on Good Friday of 1985 on the front row right by the, the Osteen family and watched her hands open and close and the blood run down her arms and I watched the dots come up on her head and I, she had on a white dress and I watched the, uh, the blood begin to stain her dress on the outside and I mean to tell you, you talk about my, my hair was standing up on the back of my neck I was, and she, she, she called up a group of people I, I don't know, there's about 15 or 20 and uh, says, it's okay if I just go, go through this real quick because I know it's, it, it, you say, well you shouldn't talk about people like that yeah, we need to know these things especially in these day, this day and hour. So she called up, and there was a pretty good line of people up there. And what was very unusual is, is she went down the line, and she gave everybody a color, blue and green and red and blue and brown and black and blue. And, 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 then, and then she got to the end of the line, and she stood back, and she, she pointed to this one. She said, now, what color did I give you? And she said, uh, you told me brown. And she said, now, what color is your checkbook? And she goes, oh, it's brown. What color did I tell you? Red. What color is your checkbook? Oh, Red and just right down the line, and then then this is what was said. There's a spirit. There's an angel of prosperity here, and these people have been chosen. So write me the largest check you can, and this angel of prosperity. Well, I'm like, you know, I'm just a Bible school student. So I left after that service, and I went to one of my mentors' house, uh, uh, Brother Effie Ward. The, him and Mama Ward were, were elderly at the time, and I went in. Went in, and I'm telling Brother Ward about this, Papa Ward about this, and he looked me right in the eye. And he said, Rusty, let me tell you something. That's not God. That's not God. 
And he began to tell me experiences and things that had happened to him. Him and Mama Ward had been missionaries in, uh, in, uh, in Puerto Rico, and, and they knew a priest that had the stigmata and how he ruled the people with very, very, uh, just a, a very mean man, and, and he would manifest this stuff, and people were just scared of him, and he used it to extort them, get money from them, do all kinds of things to manipulate them. It was just terrible. Well, I just kind of, you know, here, I'm in a dilemma. I'm a Bible school student. I'm going to a major church with a very no, well-known international pastor and just, you know, so it, but I watched it run its course. And I watched over the years, it, 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 had, a, it had a bad effect on that ministry. Other ministries it went to, it had a really bad effect. And then there were some men that began to pray and they began because the, the, the manifestations got even more bizarre. Feathers float, floating down in the in the. How many of y'all remember that back then when that all happened? Feathers floating down in the in the in the in the deals. And so one one uh, one individual, actually Brother Charles Caps, that they took a, a slow motion camera into a meeting there in Tulsa, and they found how she manipulated that and how she did that. But I'm going to tell you what that fooled literally the major portion of the charismatic leadership back in the back in the early 90s. And listen. The, in these days, there are things going on out there in churches and in places that are so sensational that are, you know, you come in and there's thousands of people and everybody gets a word from God and there's gold dust and there's this and that. I remember Lee and I had been in a meeting and, and this individual was known in their meeting for their teeth filling with silver and gold. And we were just like, whoa, what a miracle. Come in with a hole in your tooth and walk out with a... And so we were with Mom Goodwin, and I told Mom Goodwin about that, and she looked at me. She said, remember how she said, honey, now if God filled your tooth, would he fill it with silver or gold? I mean, like, don't you have any common sense? And I thought for a minute, and then she said this, a dentist can fill your tooth with silver or gold. If God fills your tooth, he's going to fill it with what he made it with. And I thought to myself, you know, that is just good spiritual common sense. And I watched that ministry, and sure enough, it ended up on the ash heap. So I'm just saying that, number one, because we love the move of the Spirit here at Island Church. We love it. And if I make mistakes, I, the church knows I'll get up and say it. I was, I was at, 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 at Lakewood, and it's when I was in Bible school, Brother Hagan was there. And boy, everybody wants a word from Brother Hagin. Because you get a word from Brother Hagin, it's just like getting it from God. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you, know that, you know how we were, amen. So there was a man in the, in the, sitting on the front row. He sang a special song that night. His name was Roger McDuff. Does anybody, anybody remember Roger McDuff? So Roger sang this beautiful song. They turned the meeting over to Brother Hagin. So Brother Hagin, he just kind of, you know how he is sometimes. He him hauls around, walks around, just doesn't say anything. So he turns to Roger and gives this long, you know, uh, the Lord would say unto you that, that, that your ministry is fixing to change and, and blah, 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 blah. And just, you know, you're going you're gonna to begin to go into the pulpit and teach the word because he'd always just been a singer all he'd ever been. And it just, it just, you know, the crowd was getting more excited, more excited. And, and Roger, he got up and did a little dance and all this kind of stuff. And everybody thought, oh, praise God, God has spoken here tonight. So Brother Hagin took off, started teaching. He taught about 15 minutes, then he kind of stepped back and he crossed his arms. I, I watch people. I like to watch people, especially those that flow in the Spirit. Amen. And he, and he just had this perplexed look, and he walked over to Roger, and he said, Roger, that wasn't God. That was just me. There was 5,000 people there. He said, that wasn't God. That was just me. Just forget it. And then he turned around, and, <laughs> and, he turned around, and it was, the whole congregation was kind of like, oh, you know. <laughs> 
Amen. But that's what keeps you pure. I said, that's what keeps you pure. And sometimes you have good intentions and you want to, it's, it's very difficult for me many times if I know anything about somebody. It's very hard. But the Lord many times will press on me and, and push on me like I told Sam like last night. There were a couple of people. I said, man, I was, I was doing everything I could do to close that meeting. But I know if I close a meeting without obeying God, I'm miserable. I can't sleep. You know, I get up in the morning, I'm like, ah, you know, because you've got this. So you have to be careful. You have to be, you have to, you know, the best thing to do, uh, uh, either on the ministerial side or on the receiving side of a word from the Lord is to pray in the Spirit, keep your heart pure, keep your motive pure, and don't ever think that if I can just flow in the Holy Ghost, that will really promote me. And the, Don't ever think that. That's never the right motive. The, 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 the last thing I'll say is this. If, if God ever uses you, and it's an awesome thing for God to use you. I mean, Mom Goodwin said something to me. She said, now, Rusty, if you tell somebody thus saith the Lord, they're going to believe God's talking to them. And when they, she told me that, I mean, something gripped my heart. I was like, oh, my God, somebody might really think God's talking to them. And so she had a member, Leah, she had that little envelope. And she said, now, if, if this envelope comes in the mail and it has a check for $10,000, he said, you don't, you, don't, you don't take the check out, lay it on the counter, and wave the envelope around. Said, Tell her, look at this envelope I got. Look at that. You don't do that. And she pointed at me and said, you're just the envelope. That's all you are is the envelope. The gift is God. The gift is of God. Amen? Praise God. Does that help you? Glory to God. What an honor to have Pastor Eddie Turner. Come on, Brother Eddie. Give him a big hand clap and a welcome as he comes. God bless you. Amen. I love you, brother. <laughs> Amen. Man. You know, I listen to him. And I just, I hear myself saying to myself, just sit down over and shut up. <laughs> you ain't got nothing to say. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Pastor uh, Mark told me several years ago, he said, have you ever heard of Rusty Mark? I said, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I don't know him. He said, I want you to meet him. He says he uh, operates in the gifts of the Spirit in a very unique way, and he's true. And it's been an enriching thing ever since. We're honored. Um, man, I just love Pastor Roland. I'm telling you what, I've, I've offered him. Uh, I'll pay. I don't know what they're paying you, but I'll double it if you come to. The uh, your worship is so wonderful. It's just so wonderful. Uh, Amanda and I just sit here and just we just wish we could just stay here. We wish we could stay here. You know, we're in Nashville. We have all the session players, and, and we have to compete with all the lights and all the haze. And, you know, and I'm just, I'm just, I love your drummer. He, he wore his bow tie today for me because last year I remarked about his bow tie. I love him. I love him. I watch everything. I see everything. I mean, he's just all over the place. And, you know, yesterday afternoon, um, yesterday after service, I just went up there and stepped those drums off. It's only three feet deep and three feet wide. It's yeah. a three by three. You come to our church, they got a, their dr the drum cage is bigger than my master bedroom in my house. <laughs> we got to have this. We got to have this. And I go up there and look at that thing and... And there were pillows in there. There was, there was a suitcase in there. And I'm thinking, no wonder you're living up here. No wonder the thing is so big 
And I got it figured out now. I'm going to start leasing that out on Sunday. That'll shrink it down a lot. And your drummer wears bow tie. I'm so proud of him. All our drummers wear hats. They got a ball hat on. I have, t I have three drummers, and I have two of them are in their early 20s, and one's in his late 50s. And he, the one in the late 50s, played professionally all of his life. He didn't have to, he didn't wear a hat. He didn't wear a hat. I thought maybe he's going to rub off on them. He'll rub off on them. We don't need a hat. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm not against hats. I love hats. But why do you have to wear a hat in the drum booth? I mean, I, you know, I just, you know, and I'm not against anything. I'm just saying it's just, it's, I don't understand understand some things and 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 so here's I'm thinking he will rub he's professional they look up to him he'll rub three Sundays ago he was in the drum cage and he had a baseball hat on the 58 year old guy had a baseball and he wasn't even wearing it right he had it turned around backwards I said you're not a baseball player and you're not a drummer anymore it's just ridiculous ridiculous but I love your worship I love your worship in all seriousness you know I I had a uh, uh, full ride to the University of Mississippi in voice. And uh, I decided not to go that direction because uh, I knew I, if, I, if I went music, I'd, I'd be in country and I'd be in a bar drinking my beer, singing about somebody's ex-wife, you know what I mean? <laughs> so so I, I just stayed away from it completely so I could stay in, the, in faith. And, uh, but your team is wonderful. They're just absolutely wrong. And uh, they sound good. They sound good. Wonderful blend. The, it's not too loud. Listen, when it has to be so loud that you can't hear yourself worship, there's something wrong with it. And we go to a lot of places that I can't even hear myself sing. And I'm a good singer. And I can't even hear myself sing. So... It's just, it's absolutely wonderful. I just love church. I love church. I grew up in church. I mean, I just love going to church, and I watch everything. I just, it's just the way my mind works. I just watch everything. I watch your, your team when we come in, and your men have those nice shirts on. I'm thinking, wow, now that is cool. You, my church, I tell my ushers, I want you to wear your, your, your uh your outfit, wear your church out. You know what they think theirs is? Make America great and a hat, make America great, and a pistol on there. That's, the, that's, that's what my ushers think their usher outfit is, all right? That's what they think it is. And, and, just, and, you're, and they're so welcoming and they're so kind. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, Amanda said this morning, I'm praying. I said, well, I'm praying too. She said, no, but I'm praying. I said, well, what are you praying about? She said, I'm praying for, for $10,000. I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we believe in God for $10,000. And I'm thinking, man, $10,000. Hallelujah. She said, yeah, I'm believing God for $10,000 to give Pastor Rusty build that building. <laughs> so I'm not coming back next year. <laughs> unless the building's built. <laughs> man, I tell you, I love Pastor Danny Johnson. I love, I love that guy. I mean, I just love him. I love it. He said I had all day. I love that guy. I'll be sitting up here worshiping all Lord and all hallelujah. I just love him. 
I just love him. He told me, he said, I woke up in the middle of the night. You ever preach from Jeremiah to 37? I said, he said this right before, sir. You ever preach from Jeremiah 37? He said, no, no, I don't, I don't know if I have or not. He said, well, the king came to Hezekiah and said, is there a word from the Lord? I said, did the king say it that way? He said, yeah, he said it that way. Is there a word from the Lord? I just love it. I just, I watch everybody. It's crazy. I watch everybody. And then yesterday, Pastor, uh, brother, uh, brother Chris, man, wasn't that phenomenal. I told him after it was over, I said, that's the best message I've ever heard on prosperity. I said, I know I kid you a lot, but I'm telling you, it was the best message I ever heard on prosperity. He taught that thing and and I thought, man, I, I, I closed my book, and I said, oh, this is good. This is good. Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep those notes. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it. This is good. And then all of a sudden, he paused. He said, now I've got three more keys. <laughs> now, you, I've been around church all my life. You have to understand, when a preacher says there's three more keys, that means there's three blocks <laughs> that he's got to get to to use the key. And I thought the message was about to be over, so we had three more keys, and then after keys, there's three locks. Now, you understand, key and lock don't do you no good. There's got to be three doors. <laughs> and then after three doors, there's three paths, because a door has to go somewhere. There's three paths. I'm thinking, man, I'm looking at my life. How long is this thing going to go? And, and then after, you, you, there's a path. There's always a destination. There's only two destinations. So I know we're coming to the close. There's two destinations, up and down, north, south, east, west, finances, rich or broke, or spiritual things, heaven or hell. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, after heaven and hell, there's an eternity. We're never going to get finished with this message. <laughs> yes, 9-11, 9-11. Yes, I want to report a missing person. Well, where would they last seen? Well, they last seen going to be a nursery worker at Island Church and never showed back up. <laughs> I just love church. And my mind's thinking all this stuff all the time. Hey, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Thank you to the nursery workers. As a pastor, I always think about the nursery workers. Thank you. In fact, I told the lady over the nursery this morning before service, thank you so much. You're so wonderful. Thank you so very much. Here's a good verse for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. You know it. Your pastors and all these pastors that are here, God bless you for coming. You're wonderful people. 2 Timothy 1. Well, let's begin with verse 6. Look at verse 6. I'm going to read out my old King James Bible. I love it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you through the putting on of my hands. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a love and sound mind. Uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out, that there is a general unrest and anxiety that has been leased upon our nation. A general unrest and anxiety 
that has been leased upon our nation. And no country and no, work, no nation, not only our nation, but no country and no nation is immune from it. And it's the spirit of fear. You know, um, uh, they tell us about a, a, a natural fear. There's a thing called the natu a natural fear. A natural fear is a, usually a warning sign of impending danger or a life-threatening situation. Uh, a, a natural fear uh, serves as a warning signal that your life might be in danger or there's a life-threatening situation. A natural fear kind of triggers what is referred to as the fight-or-flight response. The fight response causes us to defend ourselves, but the flight response causes us to get out of way of a, from a dangerous situation. That's just a natural fear. But what we're dealing with is not a natural fear. This is the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is a fear that is imagined and brings torment when the evidence of danger is not real or factual. The spirit of fear is a fear that is imagined and brings torment when the evidence of danger is not real or factual. The spirit of fear is not a momentary fright such as an unexpected loud noise or someone hiding around the corner and jumping out and trying to scare you. That's not the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is a demonic force that is paralyzing people with hopelessness and extreme panic. I just read this week in the state of Tennessee already that the uh, drug-induced overdoses and deaths already this past week in the state of Tennessee has already eclipsed all of 2019 and we have 200 and we're we still have two and a half months left to go in this year I have several friends who are mental health counselors mental health experts and they all are saying they are all their counseling centers are seeing an uptick uptick in people because people this spirit of fear is causing extreme panic in people's lives. We all understand we're dealing with this thing called COVID-19, the coronavirus. And they're talking about a, a vaccine that's coming out. And we're so thankful for that. You know, vaccines have been a great help to humanity over the years. Measles would still be running rapid if it wasn't for a vaccine. Polio would still be running rapid if it wasn't for a vaccine. Uh, whooping cough would still be running rampant if it wasn't. Thank God for vaccines. I want you to know God has given us a vaccine for the spirit of fear. And it's found right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. Everybody say, I have a vaccine, have a vaccine. for the spirit of fear. And I tell you what fear will do. The spirit of fear will do. Not just a momentary somebody saying boo to you or a loud noise you hear in your neighborhood. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the spirit of fear. Something that grabs hold of you and torments you and the evidence is not factual or real. That's the spirit of fear. And I tell you what it will do. It, will, it has caused millions of people, 
millions of people to seek a vaccine from natural methods, but you cannot deal with a spiritual problem from a natural point of view only. For God, you know, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what we have now is we have a whole nation of people on panic medicine, anxiety medicine, nerve medicine, because they are trying to treat the, the symptoms of the spirit of fear. And you can calm your bodies with those things, but you cannot eradicate the root cause of it, the spirit of fear because the spirit of fear cannot be eradicated with natural weapons. We've got to learn to deal with it from a spiritual perspective and using spiritual weapons. There's nothing wrong with medication. There's nothing wrong with anxiety medication. There's nothing wrong with taking uh, what my granny used to call a nerve pill. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. If that's what you need to, to calm you at that moment, but understand that's just dealing with the symptoms. That's not eradicating what you're really up against which is a spirit of fear. What we have to do is start taking our God vaccine. And he gives it to us, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given, no, no, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So spirit of fear is not from God. Okay, it's not from God. Uh, here's what I've learned. When you surrender to the spirit of fear, well, I'm not going there. I, I might get this, or I'm not going there. I might get this or they might give that to me listen when you surrender to the spirit of fear you are not protecting yourself you are forfeiting your future when we surrender to the spirit of fear we're not we think fear said don't do that you'll get don't go over there you'll get that don't touch that you'll get that see when we don't get on that plane it might crash all that kind of stuff when you and I surrender to the spirit of fear we're not protecting ourselves. What we're doing is we're forfeiting our future. Satan will try to tempt you to think you're protecting yourself, but you're not. You're forfeiting your future. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. What's He given our vaccine? Power, love, and sound mind. I want to talk about two of them real quickly. Power. The word power there, you've heard your pastors preach on it, and your pastors can do a lot better job than I can. But it comes from the word dunamis, God's mighty power. It's, it's where we get the word dynamite. Dynamite. And, and, and it literally means God's explosive power. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but explosive power. He's given us a spirit of power. Now, here's one I know about dynamite. Dynamite's wonderful, and it's a scary thing to look at a box full of dynamite, but it doesn't do any good to anybody until it's ignited. And here's what happens when the spirit of fear comes. When you hear some disturbing news, or you feel something or see something that scares you, you see something on TV that's... I don't know about you. I stopped watching the news on, on television. You see some of that stuff and it starts working on your mind. You hear some rumor. You get on social media and you see all of this stuff and it starts working on your mind and scaring you. What happens, the spirit of fear will cause anxiety to come, nervousness to come. Uh, you, you start feeling frightened. And as a Christian, at that moment, you don't feel power. 
I thought I had the vaccine of power. You don't feel power. D dynamite in a box doesn't do any good. It has to be ignited. And what happens is when we get in a situation and the spirit of fear comes on us and all of a sudden we get nervous and we start sweating and we start having a panic attack and, every, and, and the noises get louder and we, we start getting frightened, that spirit of fear will drive us into the corner. And you, if you're going to overcome it, you and I are going to overcome it, we have to by faith ignite the power of God that's on the inside of us. If we're waiting on, and we charismatics are the Pentecostals are the world's worst because we love the feelings. We love the doodads. We love the things that go up and cause up in, up our neck, you know. Ooh. We love that. And listen, when fear comes up, when the spirit of fear attacks your life, and your mind gets to racing and all these possibilities of all these bad things that could happen, the last thing you feel is the power of the Holy Ghost. Fear will drive you in the corner. And you and I by faith have lear must learn to ignite the power of God that's on the inside of us. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. I want to show you something. Galatians chapter 2. Verse number 20. You know this passage. Pastor had us confess it last night. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I, I like the New Living Translation. I just, I like to read that one. And, and he says this. Galatians 2, 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. By trusting in the Son of God and loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, let me share this with you. There are three things. <laughs> Not keys, locks, doors, paths, destination. There are three things. There are three things that makes up our perception of ourselves. There's three things that make up your perception. Now, I'm not talking about spirit, soul, and body. I'm not talking about the threefold nature of man. I'm talking about our perception of ourselves. There are three things that make up our perception of ourselves. They are these, simply these. Your identity, your story, and your purpose. Your identity, your story, and your purpose. In fact, what most of us do... We allow our story to define our identity. Hey, I, I want you to meet uh, Pastor uh, Brother Christopher. Well, who is he? Well, uh, he's a, a worldwide famous evangelist from Turkmenistan or, or somewhere over there. Pakistan, Turkmenistan... Pakistan, what a good, you know, whatever them stands are, you know. He's a, and he's a, a fun, had people, he, his story helps confirm his identity. I, I want, you, you've met people, and people will introduce you to somebody, and they'll say, hey, I want you to meet her. Uh, her mom and dad are so-and-so, and they lived over on so-and-so, and that's close to where you used to live. In other words, our story helps make up who our identity is. 
Everybody understand that? My dad, my grandparents were sharecroppers, and my dad had to quit school in the eighth grade to work on the farm. He, he never made a very high wage, and we lived very uh, in poverty conditions almost growing up. That's my story. And if you're not careful, your story becomes your identity. And if you allow your story to become your identity, it will define your purpose. See, there's three things, your identity, your story, and your purpose. And a lot of us allow our story to become our identity. Okay? And if we allow our story to become our identity, we will always be held a prisoner. Our purpose will all be, always be in prison to our story. Some of people ask, well, uh, who are you? Well, my mom was an alcoholic. My mom was an alcoholic. My, my, my granddad was an alcoholic. So, that, you know, that's my identity. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I was raised in a dysfunctional family. I, you know, my, my dad divorced my mom. I, I, I just grew up never having the affirmation of a, a male figure in my life. And I, that's just missing. See, their, their identity becomes a prisoner to their story. Now I want you to look at real quickly over to Luke. Luke chapter 4, verse number 18. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse number 18. Notice what he says. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, the pastor mentioned this last night, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Everybody say poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Everybody say released. That the blind will see. Everybody say see. That the oppressed will be set free. Everybody say free. Now, notice what this is. Look at that real closely. And I want you to see, notice Jesus didn't say to the poor, you never were poor. He didn't say to the captives, you never were bound. He didn't say to the blind, you never were blind. Notice, Jesus didn't come to delete your story. See, some of you, just you, you, your story, your purpose in life is so, and your identity is so defined by your story. Jesus didn't come to delete your story. What's past is past. What you grew up with, you grew up with, and you can't change that. Jesus didn't come to delete your story. He came to change your identity. So it, it doesn't make any difference what your story was. If you get your identity changed, all of a sudden your purpose in life can change. See? Notice, he didn't, notice what it says in verse number 18 again. Notice what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He didn't say the poor were never poor. He just says, I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change your identity. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. I'm going to change you. He didn't come to delete their story. He didn't come to say, ah, you were born that way. I'm sorry. You're, that's, you're always going to be disabled in life. He says, no, you've allowed your story to determine your identity, which has affected your purpose. He says, I'm not here to delete your story. What's past is past. I'm here to change your identity. And your identity now, Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So when the spirit of fear comes on you, 
the old man that used to give in to it, that used to be intimidated by it, that used to get in the corner and be bound by panic attacks and anxiety. That's the old man. The new man who has Christ dwelling on inside of him, full of power, that's your new identity. Spirit of fear, you cannot keep me back any longer. You will not intimidate me anymore. That's what you did to the old man. Not to the new man. That's n- my old man is no longer my identity. My new man is now my identity. I no longer live by my identity. I live by his identity. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I yet live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. My new identity is not what I was. My new identity is who he is. God's not giving us a spirit of power, a spirit of fear, but of power. So when the spirit of fear, when this anxiety hits you, when this nervousness hits you, when panic hits you, at that moment when those feelings start wrapping around you and you don't feel the dynamite power of God, you don't feel what we felt when this worship team led worship. You don't feel what you feel when Pastor Rusty gives you a word from God. You don't feel at that moment when the spirit of fear invades your life. You don't you fear everything. You feel everything but that. But at that moment is when you, the new man, rises up. And you have to light a fire to that dynamite and bring it out. See? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love. The pastor can teach on that. We'll go, we'll go three doors, four locks, 12 paths on love forever. Let's get in my wheelhouse and a sound mind. Satan operates in the arena of thought. That's his M.O. It's right up here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, imaginations a picture of a thought, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Satan operates in the arena of thought. Now go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 7 or 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 6. Notice what he says. We always emphasize verse 7. For God's not given me a spirit of fear but power, love, and sound mind. But look at verse 6. It hinges on verse 6. It don't work for you unless you know verse 6. Verse 6 says, this is why I remind you. You've got to remember. You've got to get your mind kicked back into gear. That you're not the old man. Your identity is not an old man succumbing to fear. The greater one lives on the inside of me. The power of God is resident on the inside of me. The love of God has been shed abroad on the inside of me. You've got to remember. He's saying, I want to remind you of this. He didn't say, now, I'm going to give you a word when this happens. He said, you you just got to put your memory back into focus on what God has deposited on the inside of you. See? 
God's not given us spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. That word sound mind in the Greek is literally a compound Greek word. It's sophrino, which is literally means it comes from the word, the first word comes from the word sozo, which is the word where we get the word salvation, which means saved, delivered, preserved, sound. And then the, the next word, mind, is, means your frame of thinking. Your frame of thinking. So listen to what it says. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a mind. Literally, it says that this, if you, if you do it correctly, it says He's given you a mind that's been resuscitated, revived, delivered, and saved way of thinking. And what happens when the spirit of fear gets on us, we want to revert back to that old mind. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You've got to remind yourself. You've got a resuscitated mind. You've got a revived mind. You've got a sound, preserved, delivered mind. You don't have a mind that's bound by panic. You don't have a mind that's bound by nervousness. You don't have a mind that's bound by fear. You've got a different kind of mind now. That's what God has promised us. A sound mind. But here's the problem. He gave it to us when we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's positionally ours. But we have to take it by faith. That's right. Look at Romans chapter 12. I'll finish with this one. Nursery workers are cheering. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. I like to read it from the King James. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your now, who's going to do that? You don't get that in a prayer line. You don't get it in a prayer line. You don't get it by joining a, a blogger. That's wonderful. I love bloggers. I listen to bloggers. have several I listen to all the time. You don't give it, honestly, by somebody giving you a word. I thank God for words. You get it by you exercising a daily discipline of getting your thought life in line with the Word of God. Okay, I, I, when, when I was bound by depression and fear and paranoia years ago, I went a whole year and hardly got out of my house. So bound by fear and depression. I, when I would get out of my house, I just went to get people to pray for me. If I felt like if I could get the right person to pray for me, I could get over this. But listen, renewing your mind is not an event. It's a daily exercise. You can't go to a church service that will renew your mind. You can't go to a conference that will renew your mind. You have to daily get into the Word of God and let the Word of God begin to wash your mind. Rehearsing the Scriptures. Let, let, me, give you a, let me give you a revelation. Scripture memorization still works. It does, it does. And today, have you noticed, we don't have people, we don't have children memorizing the scriptures like they used to. 
You'd come out of a Sunday school class years ago, uh, a Bible study class. Everybody knew the scripture. You had to come back next year to get a, to get candy, oh, and you see why I knew a lot of scriptures. That's the reason. <laughs> when I was, you come, you get candy. You've got to say your scripture. Yeah. And I thank God for all these translations. I thank God for all these translations. They're wonderful. But what it's done to us is we don't have no one go-to chapter. And, and the, the wonderful thing about the King James, I know it's goofy at times, but it has a poetic flavor to it. It's just got a flow, and it's easy to memorize. It's easy. And, what the, and even though you don't know, it might not be how you talk, and you might not use these and thous, but I'm going to tell you, the devil's still scared of the Word of God. And if you speak the Word of God out and constantly rehearse that in your mind, it will stop leaving room for Satan to begin to torment you with the spirit of fear. Have you ever got ready to fly somewhere and the night before you see some movie or some report about a plane going down? <laughs> Usually happens when I get, we get ready to fly overseas to, to minister, there'll be some kind of report of some plane going down. So for two nights before I get on that plane, I got to deal. I got to kick that stuff out. I can just see Manda going down and me just being suspended in the air because I got the Holy Ghost. And, <laughs> and I'm... But that'll work on your mind. And you and I must constantly, we, we can call somebody to pray and that's wonderful. We, we can do a lot, of, but what we have to do is we got to say, no, I take my, that thought captive. I take it captive and I choose instead to think this. Paul said, I put you in remembrance. You got it in you, now start thinking about it. God is not giving you that anxiety. God is not giving you that panic. You start thinking about your power that's available and the love of God that's in you and your mind that's been resuscitated and revived by the power of the living God. I'll close with this. Um, Pastor Rusty, uh, back uh, a year ago, uh, I think it was last year, 2019, at Fire for the Nations in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, he was, uh, he got up and, 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 and he called me out. And uh, he said, uh, uh, this message on the thought life, uh, it's going to open all kind of doors. This book that you're wanting to write, it will, it will open doors. Do you remember saying that? It's going to open doors for you, doors you never thought, never imagined would open up for you. And this book is going to be a blessing to many, 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 said it three times, many, many, many people. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just a pastor. I'm just a, a pastor in a town. Um, and uh, from that time, Harrison House, who does Andrew Womack's, Rick Renner's, all of Tony Cook's, all of their books, Jermaine Copeland, uh, Prayers That Avail Much, sold over five million copies. Uh, they heard my story. And they contacted me and said, if you write it, we'll publish it. Amen. Right after he... And I, I started writing. You ever wrote a book? It's terrible. <laughs> Getting up and teaching's fun. Getting in a book, you're sitting there at your computer on it. What does that? What's that? Well, that don't look right. Why did I flunk that English class in the sixth grade? 
<laughs> and you know, I don't do, I'm, I'm a two-finger typer. I type 54,000 words with two fingers. Two fingers. And amazingly, they got it. Just two weeks ago, I got a call from Sid Roth. It's supernatural. He said, we want you on our program January 21st. Yesterday, sitting here, Jermaine Copeland contacted Harrison House. They had given the manuscript to Jermaine Copeland. Prayers that avail much. Five million copies. Jermaine Copeland contacted Harrison House and said, uh, uh, I want to write an endorsement for this book, and I want him to write some for my new book that's coming out, uh, Prayers That Avail Much for People Dealing with Depression and Anxiety. Pastor Rusty said, this book is going to open many, many doors for you. Yes, yes. Isn't that right? Yes. It is the last chapter of the book I talk about finally. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, King James. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise. What's that next word? Think on these things. You know, all of us that are Christians, especially us in the Word of Faith camp, charismatic camp, Pentecostal camp, all of us, um, we understand about prayer. We've been taught about prayer, being taught by prayer, growing, going deeper in prayer. And you know, we can get in seasons of prayer and be praying about things that are troubling us or challenging us or that we have in front of us. And, and you know what I mean when I say this. And you can get to that point where you pray through. Anybody remember, everybody heard that term, praying through? My granny used to say to me, I'd, get, I'd say to her, this is bomb. Well, you just need to get in there and pray through. Get down to the altar and pray through. Just get down to the altar and pray through. And I, I can't really explain to you what praying through means, but you know when you arrive there. Okay, you know when you get, it's, it's like the burden lifts. The pressure eases. You just have on the inside an understanding God heard me. God has heard me. Everything's going to be okay. Anybody ever experienced that moment? And you get out of that prayer season, you leave your prayer closet, you leave the altar, and you feel so great. It's released, and then two days later, I can't wait to Sunday night to he open the altars, me get down here and pray, because i got to pray through again. And I, Wednesday night, oh, i got to pray through again. We get through... But we can't stay through. And I, this was uh, back in when I was going through this situation. And one day I was tell, I'd found these three verses of Scripture. And I told the Lord. I said, Lord Jesus, uh, this, this part of this works. But something's wrong. I said, you said be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known, made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds. I said, as long as I'm praying, I have peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? As long as I can stay in that prayer cloth, if I can get in that flow, if I can get in that zone, if I can get where the presence of God is, I have peace. I said the peace is there, but I said the guard starts leaving. I can't pray 24 hours a day. And I do good for two hours. I do good maybe for a day, maybe for two days, but then the guard leaves. And you said, if in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, made known unto God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. I said, as long as I'm praying, the guard stays guarding. Yeah, amen. But I can't pray 24 hours a day. I got other things to do. I got to play Madden football. Uh, on video games. <laughs> I got to see the Tennessee, watch the Tennessee Titans destroy the Houston, Texas on, on a video game. <laughs> I knew I'd get you. <laughs> I said, the, the guard's leaving. And I was, I was praying one day and I said, Lord, the guard's leaving because I'll pray and I do great. But then... Within a day, it's back. this heaviness is back on me. This fear is back on me. This paranoia is back on me. This worry is back on me. So I'll run back to my prayer closet and I'll pray it off of me and I'll do good for four or five hours and then it gets back on me again. I said, the guard's leaving. The, the guard of peace keeps leaving. I can't pray all the time. And I heard on the inside these words and they floated up to my mind. Read the next verse. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I said to the Lord, kneeling there, thank you, thank you. That's a great verse. Read it many times. But the guard is leaving. I said, you said the first two verse, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God will guard my heart and mind. I said, I am praying. I'm praying. And when I pray, the, the guard of peace shows up. And he guards my mind. I have peace. I don't worry. I'm not fearful. I want to get out of the house. I, I feel great. But it's two hours, four hours after I finish praying, the peace, the guard of peace leaves. I say, he's not staying around. And on, these, on the inside, I heard these words. Read the next verse. <laughs> so I read it a second time. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The third time I said to the Lord, Lord, that's a wonderful verse. <laughs> I appreciate it. But the guard is leaving. As long as I'm praying, the guard of peace surrounds my mind and I'm doing great. But when I stop praying, it's like he leaves. And I can't pray 24 hours a day. I got a family to feed. I got things to do. I got places to go. I wished I could, but I can't pray 24 hours a day. And on this inside, I heard these words. 
floated up to my mind. Read the next verse. And on the third time, I started reading. Had that Bible open, and I started reading. Verse 8, finally. And when I said finally, have you ever had one of those moments where the, it seems like a verse scripture comes off the page? It came off the page and went 3D on me. That word finally. I saw it 3D right in front of me. And the Spirit of God says, once you finish praying, you've got one final thing to do. You've got to think right. And this is where most of us missed it. We'll pray. We'll get down here and pray. We'll have somebody else join us in prayer uh, to pray for our need. And we'll sense the peace of God. We'll sense the anointing of God. We'll sense the presence of God. And that, that dread, that spirit of fear, that worry, that anxiety, it'll lift right off of us. And we feel great. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But by the next day, because we go back to thinking the way we always thought, the peace leaves us. And the Lord said to me, why do you think I put the word finally in there? Once you finish praying, you got one final thing to do. You got to think right, and you can start doing that 24 hours a day. You can't be in your prayer closet 24 hours a day, but you can think right 24 hours a day. And for you and I to be able to do that, we've got to discipline our minds to get renewed with the Word of God. Amen. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is a, what we're dealing with, the spirit of fear. It's an imagined fear, not based on facts. Not based on evidence. It's a spirit of fear. It doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. It's a spirit of fear. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power. You've got the explosive, dynamite power of God on the inside of you. But fear will intimidate you and make you feel like that, that there's no dynamite on the inside of you. That power has to be ignited by faith. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You have a mind that has been revived, resuscitated, delivered, preserved, and sound frame of thinking. But you've got to exercise it by faith. You've got to be put in remembrance of that when that intimidation and fear tries to get on you. You literally say, how do you do it? You, you just say, no. I've literally been driving down the road and had to pull off the side of the road and walk around my car and say, no, I'm not thinking that. I refuse to entertain that thought in my life one more time. This is a spirit that's trying to torment my mind. Satan operates in the arena of thought. Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. Matthew chapter 15. One, one final scripture. Matthew chapter 15. Turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Let me show you. This is it. I promise you. Matthew chapter 15. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Verse number 9. Uh, let's look at verse 17. Do you not yet understand? Matthew 15 verse 17. Can you throw that one up there for me? Matthew 15, 17, 18, 19, 20. Do you not yet understand that whatsoever enters in the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? Anybody need a revelation of that? <laughs> Pastor Rusty last night, he was teaching. Oh, man. He, he, he shared things out of that, 
scripture last night, and I was with him till he got on that second circumcision. <laughs> and I had to, I started, I had to cross my legs, and then I just, <laughs> I st I, my mind started going off, oh, 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 and I had to bring it back around to get some more revelation. I mean, my mind was, that second... Do you yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and cast out into the draught? Verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. Verse 19. For out of the heart proceed what? Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. We, we, we quote that verse all the time. We've read that verse all the time. And we mostly go right by it. Notice what he said. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Everybody says. Now look at verse, uh, go to verse uh, 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, for, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Look at verse 20. Go to verse 20. Can you put verse? These are the things which defile a man. Oh, yeah, yeah, murder defiles a man. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Theft defiles a man. Yeah, of course, adultery defiles. Yeah, yeah, we understand that. That wasn't the first thing that came out. The first thing that came out that defiled you was evil thoughts. Because, see, murder begins with a thought. Adultery begins with a thought. Fornication begins with a thought. You stop it right up here, and you never have to worry about doing those things that will defile you. But you've got to get your mind under control. You got to get your, your thought life under. That's why we watch what we are careful what we watch. We're yeah. careful what we listen to. We're careful what we talk about and what we entertain. Why? Because those things have the potential to defile us. Oh well, what you what you think doesn't matter. What you think doesn't matter as long as you don't act on it. Listen, thoughts are blueprints for actions. You keep thinking it long enough, you're going to start acting it out. It all begins with a thought. It all begins with a thought. Murder begins with a thought. Adultery begins with a thought. Fornication, theft, it all begins with a thought. You have to think it before you ever act upon it. And if you can stop it right here, it's the easiest point place of spiritual warfare. We talk about where we're fighting against the devil. We're fighting against demon forces. I'm going to tell you where you need to put your emphasis is right here. That when that thought of sin, that thought of temptation, that thought of lust, that thought of fear tries to pop in your mind, you say, oh, no, no, no. I take that thought captive in Jesus' name and I replace that thought with this thought of God. Amen. See? Amen. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, sound mind. Lord Jesus, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that the Word's alive and powerful. Thank you for this wonderful church. Oh, and this wonderful pastor and this wonderful team. And we bless them. We're just so honored to get amongst them. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. You know the Bible shows us very plainly that one of the signs of apostasy and that apostasy means that people reject the, the reality of the truth of the word of God and they depart from it they leave it, they leave it that one of the signs of it is they shall not endure sound teaching they shall not endure there's an element of endurance to sound teaching that you have you have to force your flesh and your mind to stay focused you have to receive it you can't just, well, oh, that was good. You know, like the old story goes, oh, what did the preacher preach on on Sunday? I don't know, but it sure was good. You know, yeah, that, uh, you, 
can't be that way, especially in this this day and hour. And there there is so much out there. I saw a statistic on um, COVID nineteen the other day on the uh, psychosomatic recidivism of COVID nineteen being about sixty percent of persons who actually get the disease through suggestion. Now, how how does that work? Amen. I mean, that's just. <laughs> They get it through suggestion, and there's so much suggestion on the on the in the news media and all these different outlets. What are you going to fight that with? I know at times the church here at Island Church, you must probably get a little, I don't know, frustrated at me because so much of what I do is confession based. Our confession over our offering uh, right now, we're confessing and we're pushing back against COVID with a healing confession. Other times we confess over we confess over missions offerings, uh, we confess over our buildings, and, and, and a lot of times, well, what, what, what you? Well, number one, first of all, all of our confessions here at our church are inspired by the Holy Ghost. That means I'm giving those confessions out to the church in obedience. Amen. In obedience. Secondly, I'm wanting through repetition to develop a thought pattern in you. To where you think on the finances or sickness and disease or whatever it is, or even even things in your mind that you you know David said this is we can't fight a thought with a thought you can't do that it does not work you have to speak to the thoughts that come into your mind David said I will say of the Lord I've caught myself on <laughs> I was on a flight one time Eddie a uh, pastor Eddie uh, uh, to Ireland and when they, we got up the we got up the East Coast and we made that turn over the North Atlantic and the and the uh, pilot said, "Now I'm going to put on the uh, on the uh, seatbelt sign. I don't want anybody moving around." And I I watch because I've learned a few things on flights. When you see the, the 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 stewardesses sitting down and buckling up, you know something's fixing to get wild. And I'm telling you, that plane began to jump and pitch, and it was in the it was in the winter. And that, it, that, I mean, we, we, we'd go up and we'd drop and we'd, we'd go to the right and we'd, we'd come back to the left. I mean, it was a roller coaster ride for four hours. In my mind, I could see him coming to the house, knocking on the door. I could see the pastor, you know, where we don't even have a body to bury and all this. And I remember just saying out loud, the guy next to me thought I was crazy. I remember saying out loud, Pastor Eddie, I, I don't care. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If this airplane breaks apart in the air, I'm going to ride the wing down, and they're going to find me standing on that wing. And did you know I just fell asleep after that? That guardian that guards your mind just came to attention. And I did not let those thoughts of fear. People were wringing their hands. Bless their hearts. There were three nuns sitting behind me about three rows and I was on the aisle and I could they were wearing those beads out man I mean they were rubbing those beads I mean they like those things were by the time we got to Dublin those beads were shiny polished I'm telling you amen but you got to fight and especially in this day and hour there is so much material that's of hell so much material that's of Satan And it is designed to stimulate your imagination and put that oppression, and that's what the enemy has aimed that oppression at, is at the church. The world lives under it all the time. They got their booze, they got their weed, they got their, they got all that. That's how they deal with that. The church has something better than that. They've got the word, they've got the spirit of God, they've got all this great teaching. Let me just say this. You couldn't have sat in a better 
place to hear what you heard this morning. No seminary, no, no college advanced master's class of theology. You could not have sat and listened to a better manifestation of teaching designed to go into your heart. Now listen to this. And to be acted upon. To be acted upon. Everyone here, you say, oh, I wish you'd call us up and pray for us. That's not your answer. Hands being, now let, let me just say this. There are times when you do need ministry. When you get beyond your own personal help. I've, I've ministered to people who you could see that spirit of oppression on them. Then they needed someone to take authority. But listen, that is a temporal thing that gives you an opportunity to obey exactly what he was doing. All that is is a temporary thing. Many times healing is the same way. I've seen people that get great relief at the altar. The symptoms are gone. But then they don't go back and take the Word of God and use it to fight those symptoms off because the enemy will always try to bring a counterattack to your mind, to your body, to your finance. But God has given us mighty weapons. Amen? Mighty weapons. So thank God for that. Amen? So we're going we're gonna to make our healing confession again tonight. After the uh, And I, I invite you to, to, when you go home, just begin to speak that. Remember what we said. We want to get on the front end of COVID. Thank God for the healing power of God. We can minister to you on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the symptom side. But let's get on the front end of this thing. And let's learn it in this pandemic so that we'll know it in the next one. Amen. Tonight, uh, Pastor Christopher Allen will be speaking. Amen. Give Brother Eddie a hand clap. Amen. Praise God. We, we need to get him down here for a, for, a, for a conference on that, for about three three or four days on that. Amen. You like Galveston enough to come do that, don't you? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let me, I've had several people ask me about a special offering for feeding the pastors that uh, Pastor Christopher Alam is feeding. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray about a spe- tonight's offering in, t- in its entirety will go to we're gonna give now. Look, we're gonna give brother brother Christopher an offering for himself for his labor. He's he's worthy of his labor. Amen. But then tonight's offering will go to feed these pastors. That without this food, their 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 families would starve. And I think even during this conference, you picked up 135 more pastors. So we've got 135 more we need to feed. Amen. And so uh, tonight's offering in its entirety. Uh, yesterday's offering was over eighty thousand dollars. So Island Church, here we go. And I have got, I've been counseled greatly by some of these. We're not going to take our building fund anymore and sow it into missions. We're going to use our missions money for that. Amen. We're going to build that building. Get in faith. We're going to believe God that the rest of this year, that when January the 1st, after our, after our uh, uh, fall harvest, uh, excuse me, our, what do we call it on it? New Year's Eve celebration service that we do. And on January the 2nd, we will have the money we need to begin the foundational work, all of the plumbing that needs to go in that. Praise God. Now, we need some rains. We don't need, we don't need a flood, but a few good rains would really help pack it down and get it in good uh, uh, position to be, to, be, to be done. All that's been done. Now, let me tell you something, church. What's sitting out there right now is a result. That's, that's $500,000 of work and dirt. That is just that's listen. That's as good as getting a five hundred thousand dollar check, amen. So how many would believe God with me for a million dollars, for one million dollars? Well, we don't need a million right now. We need nine hundred. What would it be? Nine hundred. 
$920,000. How many believe God with me? For $920,000 between now and January 1st. Everybody say, I agree. Say, I agree. And I'll do my part in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name. How can we thank you for the richness of what you've given us this week? The richness of your word, the richness of your spirit, the richness of our fellowship together. It's beyond the imagination of what we could have conceived. Father, we thank you that as we continue down the path of righteousness, your blessing, your protection, your ability. Father, where our faith is working, your grace is in great manifestation. And Lord, where we make mistakes, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Now, Lord, bless our afternoon. Protect us, safe, uh, keep us safe. Bring us back tonight, and we will rejoice. It will not be the end, but a new beginning of that which you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We hope the Word of God has blessed you today. If you would like to hear more messages, please visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.